If you owe Home Depot $3, that's going to impact you the same way as if you owe them $3,000 because it looks, they look at the form and they say, oh, this person's a deadbeat. They don't pay their bills. It's probably worse if you don't pay a $3 bill. <laughs> probably mean like, oh, they can't afford to pay a $3 bill. Are you looking to create more money, more options, and more fun? Hi, I'm Chris McCarron, and each week, my guests and I will share our experiences with real estate investing and do our best to help empower you to start creating wealth yourself. Welcome to Women Creating Wealth. If you're ready to get started, visit womencreatingwealth.net. For now, let's jump into today's episode. If you live in the United States, you really want to have a good credit score. If you want to be a real estate investor, if you want to have lower payments on your insurance, all that kind of stuff, that all comes from your credit report. So, you know, I, I never used to know what it meant to how important it was to have a good credit score. And even once I figured it out and, you know, I was listening to people harp on me, you got to have a good credit report. I still didn't know how to get one. How do you get a good credit score? So it used to be this really secret thing, you know, you, it would like all happen in a black box and no one knew and no one understood what factors, you know, fed into your credit score. But now you can just go on to Experian.com and they actually give you the factors with the weights of what it is that makes up your credit score. So basically a credit score, there are three major companies and they're TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. And those are the companies where anybody who you get credit from they're sending monthly reports to these three credit bureaus and the credit bureaus keep track of that. When you run your credit report for the first time, you're gonna see like, you know, what your balance was, what you paid every month, if it was late, if it was on time, all that stuff is all kept track of. So when someone's deciding if they wanna loan you money, whether it's to give you a car loan, a house, just another credit card, they are gonna look at this report. And they might use the number that that company provides, or they might take all the data and come up with their own number, which is a lot of times what mortgage companies do. So you might say, oh, I've got a credit score of 650. And the mortgage company might say, oh, no, you have 630. I'm like, what are you talking about? But because they have, they weigh things differently than the other ones do. But basically what you should do like right now is you should go on annualcreditreport.com. And that's the official place to get your credit report. You can get one a year for free from each of the three bureaus. So you might say, if you're just starting this, you might want to get all three right now and just make sure that none of them have any mistakes and make sure that everything's accurate, make sure everything's paid off. But then after that, you might want to get one every four months because then you can you know, kind of mix it up and keep track of stuff. You can also sign up for credit monitoring from the different companies. And what I've actually done just to keep from having like your identity stolen and stuff is you can freeze your credit with the bureaus. And that way, if anybody tries to apply for any credit in your name, they can't do it. It's a pain in the behind because then if you want to apply for new credit, you got to go thaw it out and, you know, unlock it. But it might be worth it depending on you and your life and stuff. But anyway, so what factors influence your credit score? The first one is your payment history. And this is why it is so key to get your credit report because you might have stuff on there that you have no idea about. I mean, this here's a sad, kind of funny story that happened to my boyfriend. So right about the time that he sold his house, he also applied for a Home Depot credit card. And it was one of those deals where if you apply for a credit card today, we're gonna give you $75 credit. So basically he charged $78 and he got the $75 credit. So he had this $3 bill from Home Depot and they mailed him the 
the bill. And of course, he didn't live there anymore. And credit card bills are not allowed to be forwarded because that's like a fraud thing. So the thing got returned to Home Depot. He had totally forgotten about it and he never paid the bill. So then he tries to get another Home Depot card because every time they want to give him 75 bucks off or something, he wants it. So they're trying to get, and they're like, oh, sorry, we can't give it. He's like, what are you talking about? I have excellent credit. You people are nuts. Why won't you give me a credit card? They're like, we can't tell you. Of course, they can't tell you. So he runs his credit and he sees this thing on Home Depot where they wrote off the, lo- the money. So it was $3 and then there was a charge, so you know, like a late fee. So it ended up being like $7 and they just wrote it off. They're not going to chase him around for seven bucks. But because they had wrote it off and closed the account, he couldn't pay it. He couldn't pay it off. So he's just stuck. He just has this crappy credit because he didn't pay his $3 Home Depot bill because he was trying to save $75, you know what I mean? It's like, but anyway, don't let this happen to you. Run your credit on a regular basis. Just get the report and just quickly scan it down and say, hmm, what's this? I mean, one time I did that and I found someone else's car loan on my account. I mean, it's great if they're paying it, but if they're not paying it, then that's going to affect me. So then it's this whole thing. If you find a mistake, there's a little button that you say you want to dispute it. And then you dispute and you say why you think it's wrong. And then they can go back and they'll go to the company and they'll ask them, okay, what what happened? So do that. Run your report. Check and make sure that there's everything is up to date. Because another thing that can happen is, let's say you move, right? Moving causes a lot of problems. <laughs> so you're living somewhere, you move, and then you're like, you totally forget to pay your final bill from the utility company. Or you change your cell phone and you forgot that you never changed your address with the cell phone company. So you've got these little niddling bills out there for $10, $15, and maybe they're out there for three years. And they affect your credit the same way as if you defaulted on a million dollar loan. So you just find them, you can pay them off, or you can request that the company remove it from your account, you know, depending on the circumstances. But you definitely want to know what's happening in your credit score. So number one, your payment history. And that, like I said, if you owe Home Depot $3, that's going to impact you the same way as if you owe them $3,000. Because it looks, they look at the form and they say, oh, this person's a deadbeat. They don't pay their bills. It's probably worse if you don't pay a $3 bill. <laughs> probably be like, oh, they can't afford to pay a $3 bill. So the next is the, the amount that you owe. So if you have one credit card for $2,000 and you owe $19.95, that's really bad. If you have 10 credit cards that have, you know, where, they have, where you have like $10,000 in limits and you only owe like 3000 even though you owe more money, you still have a smaller percentage of the, of the available credit that you owe. So sometimes you can help your credit score just by applying for a rise in your credit limit. So you might call, you know, Citibank and say, hey, you know, you've got me with a credit of 3000 Would you mind, you know, am I good enough? Can you raise it to 4000 And sometimes that actually frees up your credit score and can raise it up by a couple of points. The next thing they want to know is your mix of credit. So that's why your friend who has a $300,000 mortgage might have better credit than you when you don't owe anybody anything. Because they want to see, oh, you know, this person's got a mortgage, they've got a car loan, they've got a student loan debt, they've got a couple credit cards. They, the credit companies love that because they're seeing that all the different ways that you've been given the responsibility of paying, you've paid it. Whereas if you just have nothing, like, oh, everything I have is paid off, they're like, oh, well, how do we know if we give this person $100 that they'll ever pay us back? So that's another thing that they're really interested in. 
they also want to know how long you've had credit. So it can be really tough for people, young people just out of school, maybe you're starting your first credit card at 22 years old. It's tough because all your accounts are going to say a year, you know, three months. So until you start to really get some some time invested, it's going to be a little bit harder for you to have a fantastic score. It's really unusual for a really young person who hasn't had credit for very long to have like an over 800 score. Oh, and that's actually something I forgot to say. So this, the credit scores mostly range, depending on the bureau and everything, from 550 to 850. So you might think, oh, you know, 500 credit score, you know, 600 credit score, that's great. But it's not zero to 1,000, okay? It's <laughs> 550 to 850. So most of the time you can't get a mortgage if your credit score is less than 630. So if you look and you're, you know, down in the fives, you want to see what can I possibly do to get this up? And it might be that what you have to do is to take one of your credit cards that might have a $1,000 balance and just charge $500 and then pay it back and charge $500 and pay it back. And you probably have this on your credit, on your credit card is like a credit simulator. But one time I checked it out and I said, well, okay, let's say if I owe $900 and I just pay the whole $900 off. That was okay, but it actually raised my score higher if I paid $300 a month. Or sometimes if you pay $450 and then pay $250 and $200. So, you know, you just, if you've got that simulator, like I said, I think most credit card companies have that now, see what you should do to raise your score. So obviously you can't make yourself have longer credit, but you can affect most of these other things. And the other thing, is new credit, which again, this is a hard thing for people who are just starting out because if you're applying, every time you apply for credit, they do like a credit card company or um, a car loan, they'll do like a hard pull and obviously a mortgage company. It's called a hard pull. There's a soft pull and a hard pull or a soft inquiry or a hard inquiry. And something like applying for an apartment, usually that's a soft inquiry, so it doesn't have the impact. But if you go and actually apply for real credit, that's a hard impact. and if you have a couple of those in, a, in the space of a couple of years, it can also give you kind of a ding because the, the uh, companies look at that and they say, oh, this person's looking for credit. They're trying to get a, a lot of credit. So maybe they've got financial difficulties and that's why they're looking for credit. And so that's where it can kind of impact you. So the percentages, if you care about this, uh, your payment history is 35%. The amount that you owe on your cards and, and all your various amounts is 30%. The length of your credit history, how long you've had credit, that's 15%. And then credit mix, like we talked about, you know, a car loan, a student loan, a mortgage, you know, credit card, that's 10%. And new credit is also the other 10%. So those are the kind of things that you can try to influence. Like I said, do you pay your bills on time and make sure everything out there is current? And how much do you owe? Try to owe less than, like, they'll tell you less than like 30% of your available credit. How long have you had credit? Like I said, can't do much about that. What kind of credit? So maybe you can mix it up a little bit. You know, maybe you can, along with your credit cards, maybe you can get a car loan. Maybe you can do something else, you know, that can can make things a little bit different. And then the last one, um, a lot of uh, new credit. Like I said, if you don't have any credit now, you can't do anything about that. But even though you might think it's so great to pay cash for everything, there may come a time when you need a credit card, when you need good credit, when you want to do something, when you want to branch out, you want to leverage, you want to be able to buy something that you can't 100% afford and use good debt 
to buy a property that's going to create an income stream for you. I mean, do you really want to have to save up $500,000 to buy your first property when you could save up $100,000 and then use leverage for the other $400,000 and get yourself going so much faster and let your tenants, let whoever's living in that property that you buy, let them pay off your mortgage. So I hope that this helps you to get really intentional about your credit and keep it good. Because like I said, it's going to influence what you pay for insurances. It can influence you when you get a job. I mean, you will not believe the amount of things that are impacted by your credit score. So do your best to make it a good one. And you'll see how you just kind of sail through life. So now that we've kind of put house hacking, I think we've covered the majority of the house hacking stuff. Although I want to tell you something, somebody you're going to meet later, who's a hard money lender, she told me that she got started house hacking and she didn't give it up until a few years ago. She's like, I finally said to myself, I don't need to have someone living in my basement. I can afford to have my own house. So what am I doing? What am I doing? But it just got to be such a lifestyle for her that she was just always expecting to have someone else pay her mortgage. <laughs> She's like, what the heck am I doing? So now that we've kind of put house hacking, I think, away for now. We're going to start looking at other types of investing. And I want to do it as a little bit of a step, you know, so house hacking, entry level, great way to start. So now we're going to start looking at some other things that you can do that are kind of easy to get started. Maybe you don't need too much money or too much time. And then we'll do the same thing. We'll talk to some people who have done that type of investing. And in the meantime, if there's a topic you want me to cover, Go ahead and just drop it in the in the notes. The best place to do it actually is on YouTube. Just go to YouTube and drop a comment because that comes right into my email. Or you can just email me. You know, you can just, there's an email form on the website and, and uh, you can do that. And tune in next week to see what we have on tap for you. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Women Creating Wealth. For more info, be sure to check out womencreatingwealth.net. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and consider sharing the wealth with someone else who might enjoy it. See you next week.